you know, if you have a plan, then you wake up every day, you go to work, you're making money, and you know, cool, I know why I'm working, I'm making money, and I know what I'm doing with my money. It's very easy to like, it, and then like, you know, Crystal says, you buy one deal, you get the experience, it definitely gets, pulls you, sucks you in more and more and more. Like, look, if you go from zero to $5,000 in cash flow, you're going to be a lot more addictive from the start than in 5000 and your mindset changes and all that, right? What's everybody? Welcome back to another episode. So today, Crystal, like we were talking about right before we went on live, we are talking about the conversation. Like, so basically we have a conversation a lot. I don't know how many you have because I'm not in your office every day, but I have a lot of conversations weekly, monthly with people that come to me that own a primary residence. They're in a W2 job, they're self-employed and they woke up and said, man, I better do something because I don't want to do, be a doctor or attorney or run this business or work forever. I need to have a plan B. I need to have a side hustle. Or uh, is there a way I can maybe start buying property and hit a certain cash flow and get out of being- Or they might have friends who are doing that too. Or somebody that they said, hey, I watch your podcast, I want to do that. So today I wanted to talk about, from your point of view, what are probably, you know, two, three to five things, let's say, that initial conversation that somebody's going to come to you, and I'm going to let you talk more about the commercial side. It's This isn't, guys, we're not getting into the pre-fall and all that. This is more of the conversation of, hey, I'm new, how should I be thinking, you know? So what I did, Crystal, is a couple of things that you could maybe answer from your point is um, the why, the mindset, the plan, the goal, the cash flow, things like that. So if you want to kind of, from your point of view, have that conversation, how that would look like with somebody, obviously, if you talk for 30 minutes, we're going to consolidate that pretty quickly. Okay. Well, uh, the conversation that I have with a lot of people, I do talk to a lot of people who are in residential and they're wanting to buy an apartment building. I feel like the majority of those people who come to me wanting to buy an apartment building are just sort of not prepared for what they learn from me. Um, (laughs) So examples, uh, yeah, they usually come to me with a, you know, a set amount of money. I know a lot of us have saved up X amount of dollars and now we want to go buy an apartment building. They're like, okay, so I have to put 25% down, right? You know, it's usually 25 or 30 and I'm like, well, it sort of depends. So, you know, I go through the whole process of the loan and how it's different from what they're used to with residential financing and how the loan amount could change because it's all based on cash flow. So they could end up needing to put more money in, they could end up not. Um, it really just depends. It's difficult in San Diego to really buy a property with just 25% down. It happens and we've done a handful of those loans even last year uh, where I was even surprised, but it's just rare. So if you have a finite amount of money, it's kind of hard to find the perfect deal that fits that amount of money that you're looking to put down. Um, so I do tell people when you're looking to do that, um, you know, if you're looking at properties, send me the properties and I can quickly run a sizer for you and tell you what kind of a loan you can get on that property because you, you want to know that up front. You don't want to be blindsided. Um, and nothing is certain, but we know our numbers. We know what underwriters are looking at. We know how properties are operating these days. Uh, we're in the market every day. So I can give you with extreme certainty what we feel the loan amount's going to be. So. so let me jump in here. Okay, so somebody calls you, I own a four unit, and I want to move up to multifamily, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think most people want to move up? Okay, so most people want to move up for a lot of the reasons that they've been listening to, whether it's friends or books they've read or listening to the podcast or other people's podcasts, is that you know they want to generate more cash flow. And the more I, I 
preach this all the time. Uh, not everybody agrees. So some people do want to stay small, but if you want to grow, uh, you know, for me, I'd rather have more tenants to pay my mortgage than less. So if I have a four unit building and one of my tenants vacates, I have a 25% vacancy factor in my building. That's a lot. Um, we actually use a 5% vacancy factor in our underwriting and, you know, average vacancy in San Diego is running like two to 3%. It might be a little bit different now with COVID a little bit higher, but we're still not Probably at five. Yeah. We're still not at 5%. So 5% is a conservative number. So when you're, you know, some people have a duplex, one person vacates, you have 50% vacancy. That's scary numbers because even on a fourplex, on a fourplex, you're probably lucky to break even if someone moves out uh, because then you have turnover costs and, you know, vacancy costs and all this other stuff. So that is the reason many people want to break into apartments. But what I was going to say is uh, when people find out about the underwriting and the financing, oftentimes they're scared away and they end up sticking in residential because the financing is kind of scary and they're not used to it. And what about the uncertainty? And, you know, there's all these conversations that people have in their minds that sort of scare them from buying apartments. Not everyone, but I see it a lot. I would say most people. Okay. So my next note I have here is the mindset, right? Yeah. So that's what Chris is saying is, so when you go from a two to four unit, Hey, I'm a doctor. I can put 25% down. I can buy this for you in the property. It's easy breezy, 30 year fixed. Here's my cost. Boom. They call you up and go, Crystal, I'm going to buy a 10 unit. And you're like, cool. Oh, nope. You got to put 35% down. The appraisal is going to be three times the cost what you're used to and blah, 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 blah. Right. So what you're saying is, is, um, can you tell me then, can you just talk to somebody that says, Crystal, but I really want to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's say the person's sitting on the fence. I've got a four-unit property. I want to go buy a 10-unit. I want to sell it. What is the top three things of a mindset that somebody really needs to, like you said, not like swallow and understand and grasp to get over the hump that you probably can give advice on? So the first thing is really just getting in that mindset of obviously you're doing something that's scary because you've never done it before. That's the only reason it's scary. So once you do it one time, you're going to build a little bit of confidence and then you're going to build the confidence to do it again and again, and you're going to get more and more confident and more and more experience. So that's sort of the, the first thing is that you need to be committed to, you just gotta do it. to doing this. Um, the second thing is that once you commit to doing it, you can't just expect it to be easy that you're just gonna go search for a property, you're gonna find it, it's gonna come up to your perfect down payment, you're gonna get your offer accepted, and then you're just gonna go on down the road. We've had clients who have looked at 200 deals, we've had clients who look at 100 deals, 50 deals, whatever, it might take you a month or three months or six months or whatever. There is one thing I can tell you, it depends on the type of personality that you are, is that you might be the, the type of person who tends to get analysis paralysis, that like at that point, you sort of need to check yourself and go like, okay, Am I just being like, I just need to put my money where my mouth is. And if the numbers work, then just do the freaking deal. That's how you do it. That's how you get into real estate. It's about the safest investment vehicle that you could possibly invest your money in, even though you feel it's risky because you're not confident and you've never done it before. It's like the safest thing you could possibly invest in is multifamily real estate. And so you have that under your belt. You need to just get in there and do it and be willing to do the work, like run the numbers, drive the properties, get excited about it. Keep going. That's just with anything you're going to meet adversity. And usually if it's not easy to do, that means you're on the right track. So the other thing what's cool about uh, multifamily is, um, which is unlike uh, 
when you buy two to four, you could buy a four unit for 25% down and be negative cash flow. You could, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't care. Because they look at, oh, if you make a million bucks a year, you can cover it. They don't even care if it rents out or not. They don't care. They'll, the, the lender well, they doesn't... use your outside cash flow yeah, to give you the loan. Well, yeah. So with you guys, the cool thing about multifamily, which people might not know on here, the first time listening or buying, is that you're not your property when you close on it, if it's you know, 95% vacant, whatever the numbers you have will cash flow because they won't give you a loan based on not cash flow, correct? The yeah, the property has to cash flow. That's why we use as long it. as it's run properly. So what I'm saying is if you buy a building, there's 10 units, it's got 10 tenants in it, you put a loan on it. You're not going to go the next month if everything's okay. Where you're not going to cash flow, you will cash flow. You, a lender's not going to give you a loan uh, unless it's all based on cash flow. So the lender is actually conservative. We use you know other safeguards against you know we use replacement reserves. We have a debt coverage ratio. We have all these requirements that you have to meet to get the loan, and that's how we qualify it. So that way, there's a cushion there. You have actual cash flow in case you have a vacancy. In case you know we're we're already forecasting all of those things and including that so that you can have the highest degree of success uh, when you invest uh, or buy a multifamily building. So the next thing I have on here um, is I, I always tell people that what's your plan? And people go, what do you mean? I'm like, what's the plan? What's the goal here? Like why? So we, we talked about why are you buying, right? Like why do you want to buy an investment property? Most people say, most people, at the end of the day, when they dig down to it, Crystal, I know, you want to buy because you want cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. The next thing is we talked about the mindset we just went through with, like, whether you're buying residential or not, it's really like if you're sitting there with cash, your bank's staring at it, you don't put a deal. You just have to get in the game, buy a deal. Hence our reason to get in the cash flow game with k and um, The third thing is, or fourth go together, is what is the plan and goal? So I always go with people and I said, what's the plan and goal? What do you mean? I said, why are you doing this? What's the goal? Like it goes together. So do you want, do you want to get cash flow? Cool. Great. So the plan, the goal is, do you want to have $5,000 a month? So I had to start pulling out people. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. When do you want the sign frame? Well, I don't know. Like 10 years. Do you think I could do it in 10 years? I'm like, well, you tell me. So Crystal, if somebody comes to you and says, Hey Crystal, I own a, I own a property. I don't own a property. It doesn't matter. Right. Here's my plan. I want to make $10,000 a month in 10 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go, cool, and you're going to talk to that person. Basically, how would you back into that with them? Because that's what you do is I go, hey, you want 10 grand? Now let's come back to, we're back to square one. How do you talk about backing into that with somebody like right now? Well, uh, the conversation's easy for me because that's how we started. I mean, we started with a goal in mind and have grown and grown and grown. We're still not at our goal, but we're on the path. So, um, well, you always have a bigger goal, right? Yeah. So uh, I think first off, uh, well, it kind of goes back to the mindset, but also the plan is that I think a lot of people undersell themselves. So I think when a lot of people are like, man, I just love to make an extra thousand bucks a month. I'm like, really? That's it? Like, ideally, like, let's talk about your grand plan. What do you want? So um, I think, you know, you first have to get people to have some confidence to say, I can reach a better goal than just a thousand dollars a month. Uh, or whatever it is, 500 bucks a month, two, five, whatever, whatever it is. Um, so when I tell people about how they can achieve that plan, I obviously go into our story and how we did it. 
And the easiest way to do it is the way a lot of real estate investors, in fact, most of the you know big real estate investors, people who are making a ton of cash flow, they all had to start somewhere. So usually they started small. Um, and I go through that kind of story, which is basically buy whatever you can afford, you know, whether that's a two unit or a three unit or a four unit, whatever you can afford, you buy that, fix it up, maximize income. And I'm just going super high level here, not getting into granular detail, but, uh, you know, fix it up, raise the income, either refi and pull cash out or sell it or do both over a period of time to go buy another property and do the same thing again. It's called trading up. So that is the biggest thing um, and the easiest way to gain cash flow because we all make money at our jobs. Some people, you know, I've heard a lot of stories of people who are teachers or, you know, a mail delivery person that owns apartments now. I mean, some people don't make that much money. You can't save enough money to buy an apartment building every year or buy a property every year. It's just not feasible. Some people can, but not the average person. Right. So that person generally thinks like, I'm just happy to buy a property and keep it my whole life and eventually pay it off. And that's my cash flow. No, how else do you do it? In Southern California, we're super blessed to have a lot of appreciation. So you can build equity in your property over time and you can use that equity through leverage or selling the property to then go out and buy a bigger property or buy more property. So that is the best way to grow and the easiest way to grow. And so if that's, if you want to grow your cash flow, that is the best thing to do is to just have this mindset that you're going to continuously trade up as the market allows and be aggressive in maximizing your cash flow because once you buy apartments, value is not only predicates your loan amount, it it it, it decides the value of your property. So if you can increase the income in your property, you will also increase the value of the property significantly. So I'm doing the calculator here. So basically, I came up with so a good number I think is like a five percent return cash on cash. I think that's a very average achievable. And the thing is is you could push that up over time. So when you hear syndicators like we're trying to make a five to ten percent, they go, What do you mean? They might start at five, they might end at ten percent by the time they And honestly you might buy a property that has a four percent return and it slowly over time will become a five. This is the other thing. People need to not look out twelve months. You need to look out five years. So you can't You'll never end up buying a property, especially in a market like Southern California. You, you won't buy anything if you stick to this rule that you have to make X amount of dollars. You basically need to cash flow and be able to support any sort of vacancy, turnover, move outs, whatever. Um, my goal was always to at least break even on my property, knowing that our projections would be to get to a certain amount of cash flow. So I personally like, you know, have always thought, and it's always changing, so it might be different, but we always bought a property that could be like a five cap on current and then had a potential to at least be a six cap. These are numbers that you may may or may not understand, but my my point is, is that you might buy a property that's significantly underperforming. It's not going to perform day one. It might not even perform in six months, but you know you're going to get it to a certain place and you have safeguards in place and reserves and all of this stuff so that you can get the property up and cash flowing and you can win a lot bigger than buying a property that's already at market rents and you know, everything's already done and it's turnkey. You might need that for your job or your situation in life, but also be open to the idea that you're not going to get this set 5% cash flow day one when you close, but with some work you can get there and then you can increase it over five years. Your, um, your cash flow is going to grow. So basically, I did just some quick math. Let just you know, two point five million dollars at five percent is about a little over ten thousand dollars a month, right? In cash flow. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to 
couple people this last month, both of them actually referred to me to looking to buy investment properties. They make a half a million bucks each. Mm -hmm. So my question was, is how much money can you save every year, right? So they were like, one was, uh, you know, 200 grand because single, easy. The other one was, you know, maybe 150,000 family, right? So I basically, they said, well, we, I said, what do you want to make? Like you said, goes, well, this is, what do you want to make? What's the goal? Well, five, five, that's it. Okay, 10. I want to make, I, I want 10. Okay, 10. So they said, I'm like, well, you could do that in 10 years. I could. I said, you could do it in five years. Because he already had 600,000 to start. The other guy had a chunk of money too, right? Mm -hmm. So they have 600, and you put 200. So we go back and he goes, oh, wow. I said, I was telling him you could do this in 10 years with no appreciation, no cash out, no burr, no, no yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah, burr, yeah. No, yeah. no trade up, no nothing. So he was like, okay. I said, so always tell people, if you have money now, you're making money. Oh, this is my thing. If you don't have a plan for your money, you'll have a plan for you. So you have to set aside how much you need to get there and back into it. So basically you need two and a half million dollars that you've placed or you've refied cash out or you've sold a property exchange up to in 10 years, you probably can make about $10,000 conservative. Stop for one second. You breezed over your little quote, which I think is a good one. I, I know it's not original to us. I don't know who said it, but if you don't have a plan for your money. Actually, I kind of made it up. I've never heard of it. Okay. Well, if you don't, Kenny Simpson, quote it. I it's didn't, a, but I just said it. It's a good one. If nobody else said it, it's a good one. Um, but if you don't have a plan for your money, your money will have a plan for you. And I think that's probably the biggest thing because we all know that we spend where, you know, we could be saving in places. And that's one of the biggest conversations you need to have with yourself when you're preparing to invest is being willing to make those sacrifices. Yeah, no, so I think, so these guys went away and said, hmm, okay, I didn't really think about it that way. Wow, I never even thought 10 years, save this money, do this, okay. But I said, that's the plan. It's very nice if you have a plan, though I tell people, you know, if you have a plan, then you wake up every day, you go to work, you're making money, and you know, cool, I know why I'm working, I'm making money, I know what I'm doing with my money. It's very easy to like, it, and then like, you know, Crystal says, you buy one deal, you get the experience. It definitely gets, pulls you, sucks you in more and more and more. Like, look, if you go from zero to $5,000 in cash flow, you're going to be a lot more addictive from the start than in 5,000. And you, your mindset changes and all that, right? So my next thing is, is we talked about why, we talked about mindset, we talked about playing goals to go together, and we just talked a little bit about cash flow, right? I think, and so I always wrap up with people, it's kind of like, so... When you put this all together, like how do you put it together? So how, like you're sitting here going, great, Kenny, I've got the why, I've got the mindset, I've got the plan, I've got the goal, I've got the cash flow, I understand it. Now how do I execute? Do I go four units, do I go six units, do I go eight units, what do I do, you know? So I was talking to somebody like, we just wanna buy, um, we wanna get to 10 units. I said, that's it, they said, yeah. I said, how long? Like in five years, in five years. I said, okay. So I talked to this person and I said, I got their math. I have the money they had literally right now. We're doing a cash out refi. And I said, okay, cool. You can do eight units right now. Excuse me. I said, you can buy four units and four units right now. I broke down the cash. We did the whole thing like, holy smokes. I didn't think about it. So I think when you have all this stuff, the thing, the component I think that you're missing is a professional. Like somebody that's been there, done it. Like, is it a mentor? Is it a lender? Is it... Um, a person in your life that's done this, or is it a, you know, a broker you're working with that understands what you want and knows how much money you have and basically have that maximized. So 
that's how I leave off is Crystal, what would you say is what you're gonna get out of professional or not? You know, like what's Well, one thing also I just wanted to point out about this is it's it's funny, it's it's cool to hear these stories of people who realize that they actually could buy more, but it just really demonstrates the fact that you know, when you know your numbers, because it's one of our things that we say is know your numbers, and that can mean so many different things. But in this particular case, if you know your numbers, if you know how much cash you have, if you know roundabout, like how many units you can buy based on that cash, because you can back into it from the down payment that you need. If you know these things, then you can walk into a situation with a much clearer mind. And you probably will be surprised at how much you can achieve. So, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing that I love about real estate is it's super common sense and you can just run the numbers and know it doesn't have to be this emotional thing of, you know, all this back and forth and should I, should I, and should I not? And how do I do it? And it's not the stock market. It's not this weird arbitrary number that you stare out on a computer screen. It's an actual thing that you can touch that has a number attached to it. You can get a mortgage. There's guidelines. You you can watch the market, you know, you can kind of predict things a lot easier and then know that you have something that's real that you're buying. So uh, if you do have a professional, I mean, a professional is valuable to you in so many ways. And uh, we talk about it a lot too, from having a broker or a friend or a mentor. Um, you really want someone, A, you always have to look out for yourself. Uh, and you have to make sure that you're making the decisions and that, you know, nobody's going to make the decision for you, but you need to kind of make sure that you're running your numbers and you're using your analysis and making that decision. Because sometimes, I mean, obviously this is a world where we all need to eat and we all need to make money. Sometimes you're going to run into people who just want to make a sale. Um, and so you need to sort of watch out for yourself and run your own numbers and understand what you're doing as with anything uh, and take that time to learn um, if you want to be an active investor, I mean, if you want to be passive, there's plenty of, you know, there are other ways that you can invest in real estate without having to do too much brain damage, but you still want to know who you're investing your money with. You worked hard for it to save it most likely, unless I guess you inherited it all, but most of us work really hard for our money. So you want to do the research and get with a professional, but you also want to do outside research yourself, talk to other professionals, get multiple opinions. Um, all of that to come to your decision. You don't want, of course, you don't want to take too long, but you definitely need to get a good, well-rounded uh, education going into your decision. Yeah. So um, the last thing that I always tell people in this original convert, this initial conversation, is the one thing that you don't realize. You know, is that as you go down this road what you think about now in the conversation you're like you always say the reality with yourself will change so what you think you couldn't have hit you're going to be like wait a minute i was selling myself short as crystal just said so pick a num pick a goal but think you might be moving that you know goal or whatever pushing it out so you will change we've changed we said oh we're never going to do things now we're like we're going to do it you know um so to kind of wrap up here, next the next um, episode where you and I are talking, um, I want to talk about building your team. So I always tell people um, it's super important to have all this stuff, but also the next step before you go to the prequel is like, do you even know who would be on your team before you buy a property, you know? And so we'll leave you with that. But I'm going to leave you guys with a quick story. 
And then Crystal can wrap up however she wants. So I got referred to this other girl and she called me this week and she says, Hey, do you do loans in Ohio? I said, no, I don't. And so I just said, why are you buying in Ohio? She lives in San Diego. She's like, well, you know, I want cash flow and this. I started talking to her in 10 minutes. I started asking questions and she started realizing like, I don't have any of these answers. So I said, let's just take a step back. So I went through my why mindset plan like I do with everybody. And so the short end of it, she realized that the options of lending with this small, she wanted to buy a multifamily, but the loan amount is $250,000. And Crystal's looking at me going, I know what she's in your head. Like the options are slim to none in Ohio and you have to call a broker. And she did a conversation I had with her. She's like, why well, even have this conversation with my broker? And I said, have you, are you going to manage? No. I said, do you talk to management? She's like, yeah. I said, well, did you have a conversation? Like I'm looking in these areas. Do you think tenants are good? This? And she goes, she's over here writing notes. She goes, no. And she goes, well, why did my broker say this? I'm like, well, did you talk to other lenders and get no? And so I had this whole conversation and I stopped and I said, so you're buying because of cash flow. She's yes. And I said, what do you own in San Diego? She goes, well, I own, I bought a condo and I made, you know, $150,000. I said, okay. So what is the goal? She goes, well, my goal, I said, what is the long-term goal? Well, I said, no, what is the goal? She says, my goal is I want to quit my job and I want to do charity work. I said, cool. What does that need to look like? Well, I really can't have a mortgage and I need to make like five grand. I said, okay. I said, well, why don't you eliminate your mortgage now? She said, what? I said, eliminate your mortgage right now. She goes, how? I said, well, you're going to Ohio where you know nothing about you're not, you've never bought real estate. You can't answer 10 questions. Why don't you sell your property here? Go put it into a three unit, two unit, live in one, rent out the others, and they pay 85, 90% of your bills. And she stood up to me, she goes, I said, isn't that cash flow? She goes, yeah, I never thought about that. It's so when you guys are thinking about cash flow and stuff, there's other ways to get it. So that's why like Crystal is always saying is, what is the goal? It's not just about cash flow. Maybe it's I want to quit my job. Maybe it's I want to start this business. Maybe it's like I just want to be a stay-at-home mom. But maybe it's also like, maybe you sell your house, you're living with all this equity, and you go buy a house with units in the back, and you can get there now. Because owner-occupant financing is the best. So anyways, I'm leaving with that story because it's not always about the cash flow investment. It's like something is sometimes right in front of you just having a different perspective of viewing that. I just want to share this one. That was actually a really good story. Um, I think it, it sort of, you always strike this chord and um, it's, it's an unpopular suggestion oh um, about selling your home and, you know, becoming a renter or buying a three or four unit, because I think we all have this idea, especially with COVID that, you know, the home has never been more important. I think that there was some focus taken off of it. We're still renters. We don't have a home. Of course I want one, but you know, there are other goals that we have to get to in order to get what we want. So we have made the choice to sacrifice. Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Fancy. Hashtag delayed gratification. Yeah. Fancy term. Um, but so that's been our choice. It is not a popular choice for a lot of people. So you really, when talking about the mindset and the plan, um, if you're married, you know, you might have kids, whatever the case may be, you might be, you know, about to have a child, trying to have a child. And, you know, I think we all, as uh, especially women, want to nest and, you know, have a home for our kids and our families and stuff. So you really need to have those discussions and be on the same 
you know, be on the same path as your significant other because, you know, for us, and this is just a thought, like I said, nobody loves to hear this idea, but for me, um, as much as I want a home and I do, I am on board for the bigger goal. I understand that just, even though I want a home, I also don't want to stress about paying my mortgage. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on me. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on Kenny. I don't want our children to feel the stress of that. So for me, as badly as I want this home and this idea of the home, when we're thinking of these things in our minds and we're dreaming, it, that's what they are. They're dreams. So you, you think of all the feel good parts of it without all the other stuff. Like I need this home. And once we get it, I'm going to be so happy. But then you don't think that you got to fix things in that house that costs money. Then you got to pay the mortgage. And what if, you know, times are tough and somebody gets laid off of their job? How are you going to feel? How much money do you have saved? How hard is that going to be on your relationship? How hard is it going to be on your family? So these are all the, these are the hard discussions that you need to have when you're thinking about, I want to generate cash flow. What sort of sacrifices are we willing to make? What sort of sacrifices do we need to make? Uh, this is just a really big conversation. And honestly, it should be fun. Like go on a date, drink a glass of wine, talk about this stuff, yeah. dream a little, talk about the positive and the negative. Um, it's such a big conversation for families because I also know what a struggle it is. We have many clients who say, my wife would never do that. Or, you know, Grant Cardone will say like, so-and-so's wife hates me because I told him to sell his house. It's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we all want that and especially moms and women. And I'm, I don't want to stereotype, but it's true. So have those discussions, dream about it, talk about it, think big picture. Don't just think to your dream house. Like you need to look at the big picture and look at every single aspect, the pros and the cons, and then reach a decision based on that. One that's not just all heart. It needs to be heart and head. So that's that's what I want to leave people with. And uh, thank you for listening. And if you like what you hear, please do share. Um, we really want to get in front of more people and help them because honestly, if you're a realtor, if you're anybody, this is a great podcast to share with people to listen to because honestly, you might have a client that owns an owner-occupied pr property and they're looking to buy an investment property and you might not know how to approach a conversation or this, but remember, you can go over the why, the mindset, the plan, the goal, the cash flow, and like kind of Crystal, how she ended, of sitting down and having that super important conversation about making sacrifices for the future. Um, you know, I always tell people, the conversation you can have yourself when you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and beyond is gonna change and nobody, there's not one person I met that's 60 years old that goes, man, I should have bought more stuff, more cars, more houses, more watches, whatever. They wish they would have done more and they wish they would have had these hard conversations. They wish they would have invested more. Yeah. And they pushed these conversations off because they just were like lazy about it. And just they wanted to make their wife happy. They didn't want to have that tension in their relationship. You know, whatever the case is, they wanted it too. Um, there's all these reasons why people don't have these conversations, but more and more that we have this education available and people are able to have podcasts and things and bring this stuff up. It's just stuff that families um, and people need to have these discussions. And it's a good platform to say, Hey, maybe listen to this podcast. And like, you know, then you can say, Hey, what'd you think about this? That was interesting. what do you think about that? Let's talk about it. It's a good way to start a conversation. And like I said, once you have a couple of these hard conversations, they get easy and they can be fun. They don't have to be stressful. Yeah. So anyways, next time Crystal and I are on, we will talk about building your team and what that looks like. But otherwise, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.